Thank you. Good morning. Is it Christmas yet? Is it starting to feel like Christmas? Even despite the Florida-like conditions? Uh, I'm curious. I'm usually curious. When is it or what is it that happens for you that makes it start to feel like Christmas? Uh, probably some similarities, probably some differences between each of us. Uh, is it putting up the tree? This year we put up our tree very early. Right, Nikki? <laughs> Hearing Christmas carols. How about the last day of school or work before you have a break? I know my son likes that. So do I, actually. How about Advent services? Is that what does it for you? <laughs> Maybe shopping for gifts or, where's Kathy? Cookies. Or even maybe snow. We got a little. All right. Okay, so it's the third week of Advent, so there's four of them. So we focus on faith. We got the candles to prove it. Peace, and today love. So next week joy. Get ready for that. So, but today we're going to explore love and. The talk title is about the meaning of Christmas. So, I'm going to give you an option here. You can go for the short talk or the long talk. So, here's the short talk. In a nutshell, the meaning of Christmas is love. Alright. It's <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. I'll get... <laughs> Because, you know, we could just wrap it up right now and go home and start pre-gaming for the Browns. The, the Browns are going to come up a couple of times. They came up last week. We're giving the Browns, well, was it last week? or Yeah. We're giving the Browns grace. And, and they took a day off, uh, uh, a week off to give us grace. But today, the whole thing starts again. It's, I'm feeling Christmas. That's all I'm going to say. So, uh, I want to explore the meaning of Christmas. Uh, the fact that Christmas is love, I think, is, is simply true, but neither Christmas nor love is simple. Not even close. So we got to dig a little deeper. Uh, love is a big concept. So I did a little research. I've heard these things before, but I delved a little deeper into the Greeks, where they've explored all the different types of love. So if you stick with me for a bit, we'll talk about, I think there's seven or eight of them. There are eight types of love. Now, I heard somewhere that, that Eskimos, I think, I don't know if this is true, but you can talk a lot about it. It doesn't really matter if it's true, if it's meaningful. But I heard they have like 50 odd different names for snow. Have you ever, anybody ever heard that? Yeah. Well, it makes sense though, because, you know, when you're trying to describe something you've seen to somebody, you know, there, there's just a lot of variation. And, and being able to get specific and articulate what you see, with. That's why we give things names. Say, oh, I saw pebble snow, or who knows what the names are. And I'm sure they're not in English. So it's probably more like Elon, or Yigod, things like that. But there's, we'll start with agape. It's not snow, it's love. We have all, has anybody not heard of agape love? Okay, so everybody's heard of it. But, so what is this? It's brotherly love. It's 
charity. The love of God for man and of man for God. It's also feelings we have for one's one's children and spouse. For Christians, maybe agape is the unconditional love of God for his children. And also Thomas Aquinas defined it as the will to do good for another. So I think Christmas has got a lot of agape. Okay? Then there's eros. This is more like the intimate romantic love. At least that's what I always thought. But as I delve into a little deeper, you know, Plato and Socrates, they, they, they did a lot with this. And, you know, initially uh, eros can start out on a physical level. But, but if, if you stick with it, it goes deeper into um, the appreciation of beauty and ultimately the beauty within. So even, and then there's a lot more. And maybe in February, we'll talk more about this because that's the month for that. This is Christmas. But, but Plato, in that, described how the physical contact really isn't necessary, or physical attraction, actually, not contact. And so um, love without the necessity of physical attraction. Have you heard of a platonic relationship? That's what this is. Philia. Philadelphia. Anybody been there? City of brotherly love. So, affectionate regard, friendship, loyalty to friends, family, community, another aspect of love. I think it shows up at Christmas. We just went to a community gathering last night. It was fun. There was a lot of love. Here's the one that cracked me up. I don't, I don't know who's heard of this. I never heard of this. Storage. Has anybody ever heard of storage love? This isn't like a thing you have to put your stuff in. I love it so much i got to put it in storage. That's like a Jeff Foxworthy word, you know? Storage. <laughs> like, did you, did you bring your pickup with you? Or, uh, did you leave it? Never mind. This, I'm not going to try to be Jeff Foxworthy. I just think it's funny, though. That's a different kind of love that he gives. But storage is common or natural empathy. Like like what parents feel for their offspring. But here's the kicker. It's also used for referencing the love of one's country or for a favorite sports team. So, I storage the Browns. I don't know if you're going to see that sign in the stadium today when they can the crowd or not. Philadelphia is a self-love. I, I've never really... Uh, I don't know if I've heard that one before. So it's regard for one's own happiness or advantage. And here's the thing about Philadelphia. It's got a good side and it's got a dark side. And wherever there's light, there's the potential of dark. Well, actually, there's only the potential of dark where there is no light. Because dark is not the opposite of light. It's the absence of light. But in any case, a healthy version of, of Philadelphia is uh, self-compassion. A lot of that we talked about last week, about giving ourselves grace. When it goes uh, dark or unhealthy, that's when we get self-obsessed, and that can lead to vanity and selfishness. And we probably all, if not expressed it, at least observed it. Probably a good. You know, just to remind you, when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm talking about me. And you guys can eavesdrop if you want, and if you agree or find similarities for yourself, that's okay. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. That's it. 
checking myself on that. Xenia, which I thought was a town in Ohio, and I'm pretty sure it still is, and it, it seems to be, it's attractive to tornadoes. Because twice in my life, and I guess I'm, I don't mean to laugh about that, but twice in my life they've had big tornadoes hit there. So it's, it's in a spot that's prone. But, but what, it, what Xenia means, and I'm sure the town is like this, it means hospitality, guest friendship. Or, or the kind of the ritualized friendship where we have those habits of being generous to strangers and foreigners and exchanging gifts and being reciprocal. And, you know, when, when, when the president goes to a foreign country, there's always this exchange of gifts that goes on. We don't always see it in the public, but it's just part of that ceremony of being friendly and, and loving toward each other. There's also ludus, L-U-D-U-S, which is playful, flirtatious, uncommitted love with a focus on fun. So... I think the Roaring Twenties when I think that. And then the last one on my list today is called Pragma. And from the base, you can guess what that means, pragmatic. So, practical love founded on reason uh, or duty and focusing on your longer-term interests. Like, we'll stay married for the kids. I don't know. Or, or a lot of times in our world, the way we do things, they're arranged marriages. So they probably do a lot of pragma love. But in any case, what's the point of all that? Maybe it felt like a, an academic lecture, but this is just scratching the surface of trying to define the surface of snow in terms of love. You know, there's, there's probably at least as many different interpretations of love as the Eskimos have for snow is what I'm saying there. And love is complex, and today we're talking about love. But it's also simple. If you just go to your heart, and your heart will guide you. You have to just be willing to listen to it. So love is big, and love is complex, but guess what? So is Christmas. I think Christmas is equally complex. You know, in, in the simple terms, Christmas is the birth of a man that we celebrate. You know, this guy Jesus was born somewhere. I absolutely believe he was born, and I'm really glad. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week, about the joy of that. Maybe it was Bethlehem. It really doesn't matter. We'll get to the how it doesn't matter. But, but you know, even as a Christian, or whatever you call yourself, Christmas is more than just that. That's really just the beginning, although... Again, next week we're going to kind of really explore how, how big of an opening that beginning created for us in our consciousness and in our lives and in our experiences. There's a lot to be excited about. But it's, it's way more than that. And here's the thing. It's way more than that to people who aren't Christian. Christmas is that one holiday that people celebrate that have nothing, no association with the religion of which the holiday is about, supposedly. So Christmas has grown into this much bigger concept. And there's a lot of different levels of meaning to it. There, there's certainly a religious meaning. There's also... I have a list. Okay. Spiritual meaning? I think so. Family meaning? I mean, isn't it nice to be home for the holidays? 
something like that. That might not be the tune, but those words are in there. Um, but you hear it in the songs, you know, about, you know, going through the woods at Grandma's house, you know. And we're not going to talk about Robert Frost, but a little bit later we're going to talk about Frost. We're going to talk about Frosty. So there's, there's family, community, like right now, cookies. There's also, and, and let's, let's not throw shade on this, there's commercial aspects of Christmas. I mean, I've heard it said, and I suppose there's truth to it, that you know, businesses, retail businesses, they, they work all year to pay the expenses so they can make profit in December. And, and so when December's good, it's good. And when it's not, it's not as good for them. So there's a lot of commercial, and a lot of folks, we call them secular if they're not like in with the Christian thing. Uh, maybe it's all about commercial, but the commercial's a means to an end because it's really about gifts and giving. And maybe we over-index on that a little bit, but that's probably because the importance of Christmas and the meaning of Christmas has some deep, deep cultural things. And this goes way past 2,000 years ago. Again, preview of coming attractions. We're going to look a little closer at that next week. And then finally, there's an element of kind of building on that cultural meaning and reason for Christmas. There's a, an evolutionary. We as a, a, as a species, and our current state of being, Christmas is important to us. And it's way more than just, I don't know, I mean, I feel sort of conflicted. It's way more than just this rebirth of consciousness. And yet, it's all about the rebirth of consciousness. Where do the things separate and meet? But it's all tied up, and that's why so many people who, I don't know if they're just, I, I, there's got to be people on this planet that never heard of Jesus Christ. They never heard that term. I mean, somewhere, somehow. With the internet, it's amazing that nobody, but somebody doesn't have the internet somewhere. And even though they don't know anything about that whole story, they still feel the energy of Christmas because we collectively come together and, and, and we shape the consciousness of our reality, of our planet. I don't know if it extends beyond the planet. Not quite sure how all that works, but it's possible. So Christmas is, is, is this immense expression of collective consciousness is what I'm talking about and for all of mankind. And in the midst of all these threads and different things of meaning, each of us weaves together the experience that is Christmas for us. And there's so many common things, but each of you has your own little story, an own little pattern, and your own little set of commitments that creates the, what Christmas is for you. Back to this, this bigger thing. So, I suggest Christmas, the meaning of Christmas, is a quickening of spirit throughout human consciousness that is summoned by a power that is simultaneously within us and beyond us. And this power compels us to open our hearts. 
open our hearts and minds to the awe-inspiring possibility of true love. True love for one another. And then we have the desire in that blessing. This is what I'm talking about grace. When you give grace to yourself and you feel good, you just can't help being ready to share it with others. So we have this experience of love and we want to share that blessing with both physical and, and what I'll simply call existential gifts, which is the power of Christ. The love of God offered without condition to everyone and everything. This is Christmas. It's like the Hubble telescope capturing the majesty and splendor of an emerging galaxy. You've seen these amazing pictures, right? They're, they're, they're really beyond description. It stretches the boundaries of our understanding of the power of the Creator. Like, who did that? Right? This Christmas spirit offers a glimpse into the potential of the divine power, which is oneness with God, oneness with one another, and living together in harmony, creating heaven on earth and for all eternity. But our ability to comprehend, interpret, and articulate the magnificence of the divine is limited. Because we're human. And words aren't enough. And these are our pictures sometimes, even though they're worth a thousand words. And video, I guess, is worth a million words. I don't know. But if we thought of the divine plan as Michelangelo's pictures, on, not pictures, but his creations on the, on the Sistine Chapel, our attempts to translate the profound truth of that vision is like the stick figure drawings of an infant. You know, we just don't, we're not there. It's the, what is available and what is promised and what is in existence is so far beyond our current demonstration of it. And our current demonstration of it is quite amazingly cool. Most of the time. And yet there's so much more. It's about the, the blessing and the gratitude of how much we have and how much we can share, but also the promise of how much more there might be. So when I was young, younger, uh, <laughs> there was a total eclipse of the sun. And I was told I couldn't look at the sun because the power of that vision was so strong that if I looked at it, it would actually damage my eyes and, and, and burn me. And so what I had to do was look at a shadow of it. And, and from the reflection of that power, I got to have some glimpse of, of the potential of that. And, and, and so the Christmas spirit, in the same way, offers a glimpse into the potential of the divine promise. You know, God, even God, struggles to define God. What did he tell Moses? When Moses said, what should I call you? He says, after dinner. No, he, he said, I am that I am. That's the best he could come up with. Actually, it's, it's, it's great, but still, it's like, how do 
to me. Like, people say, well, what are you all about? Well, I'm me. You can just say that. You can say, I am that I am. You know, some people will say, I am that I am, and they'll chuckle like Popeye and make a joke out of it, but it's not really a joke. It's really amazing. So, because it's so hard for us to translate the Sistine Chapel into our expression, our demonstration, yeah, that's why Jesus, how did he teach us? How did he guide us? Parables, right? Metaphors, allegories. The whole Bible is basically built around that idea. So that kind of led me down to, um, there's this incredible absolute truth about divine wisdom, and yet there's this fluidity of truth that we use to create Christmas. And we can start with the Bible and talk about, well, I mean, Mark doesn't talk about the birth of Jesus. Neither does John. So those are the oldest and the newest Gospels. In between Matthew and uh, Luke, they thought they'd talk about it, but they talked about it very differently. And, you know, I think they just created a story, and we're not so sure that story actually happened. But it doesn't matter. So one of the most significant things that happened to me, and I think I've already shared this with you this year, and it happened this year. So two things happened. I shared it this year, and it happened this year. But as I look at the end of the year, that's another part about Christmas. You kind of collect the whole year. And is Christmas the end of something or the beginning of something? That's a lot of different possibilities. But someone said to me in a loving way, as I was correcting someone, <laughs> never let the past be in the way of a good story. Now, that simple statement has really altered, you know, I'm kind of a smart guy. So I've spent a lot of my life being writer about things. <laughs> and, and, and a certain sense of accomplishment, because I do know and understand and can remember and whatnot. And, and so there's that, 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 that sense of worth that comes from intellectual ability, which I don't know what that's founded on, but it's one of my deals. So I got to let part of that go. Because it probably gets in the way as often as it helps, maybe more so. But it's like, wow, what is right? So ultimately, I said, what is a good story? Well, a good story is one that has meaning and purpose. So if the meaning and the purpose are grounded in truth, then the data, the facts, the, the details are not that important. And that's what Jesus did with these parables. I mean, I don't think all those things happened. And yet, especially in unity, I mean, I'm talking to the choir here, people that have gone well past literal interpretations of the Bible and into metaphysical uh, uh, ideas. But that good story has meaning and purpose. So I want to give you grace, if you even asked for it or needed it, that a lot of the things that we do at Christmas Like my audience got older during that time. I don't think that that because I was really concerned. I mean, we got some guidance from an angel. Don't you mess up Jesus? <laughs> but I'm not because yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. That it's it's the meaning and the purpose in the story, and that's why we have Aesop's fables. Don't we learn from that? Do you think those stories are true? Grimm's fairy tales. How about Frosty? I was told not to go near Rudolph. 
said, do not pierce my hands. But I know there's reindeer for sure. And it's possible that, you know, like the X-Men, there would be some reindeer somewhere out there with a nose. And, but I think Olive, the other reindeer, I don't think she's real. But maybe Rudolph is. But Frosty, I think it's safe to say that that might be fiction. Maybe that snowman did not come to life. But there's a meaning and a purpose in that story. And, and one of it is the absolute delight of the magic of Christmas. Because there, there is magic in that hat. And there is magic in what we create with our love. And it's, it's this idea that for whatever reason, we let down our guard and we have permission to do it. And we indulge in it. And we create wonderful things. And maybe it's a shame that we can't sustain that all year round. Um, I think that's our goal. Is, is to open our hearts. It's like Andre the Grinch. How many people think that one's real? I've met a few people that look similar. But Cindy Lou Who, you know, to her just unflinching kindness to the Grinch enabled him to allow his heart to grow three sizes that day. That's magic. And you guys do it. We do it with our love, with what we share. And, and so that's the meaning of Christmas, is, is moving toward, through our hearts and our love, that fulfillment of God's promise of living on earth. Oh. You know, that's the other thing about truth. Sometimes, I don't want to encourage bad behavior, but sometimes it's just best not to share the whole truth, the complete truth, and nothing but the truth. Like, I know this might sound boorish, but if you happen to see that the steak for your friend fell on the ground and the server put it back on the plate, but by the time you get back to the table, the person's already eaten half the steak. Do you think you need to tell them what happened or not? And I'm saying don't tell them. And that's great because like you always have to tell the truth. you got to let everybody know. Let them sort it out for themselves. And, it's, and here's the slippery slope, and that's why I say I'm not trying to encourage bad behavior. I don't want you all to start thinking it's your job to be the arbiter of how other people deal with the truth. You know, you go to Jack Nicholson and, and uh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, you Can't Handle the Truth, right? Uh, there's a movie. Um, maybe? Off, no. Um, does anybody remember? A Few Good Men. See, we, it takes a community to tell a good story. You know, I'm trying, but I need you. So I, you can't handle the truth. Well, to decide what I can handle. But I do think that when it comes, and here's my message, when it comes from love, it's the right thing to do. you got to really check in with yourself when you're doing that. But, but sometimes, blazing over the truth, or, anyway. So in conclusion, what is the meaning of Christmas? And what is its purpose? 
I think the meaning of Christmas is the demonstration and the celebration of unconditional love. However, as I said before, this is my story, and each of you are free to expand, alter, and redefine that in terms of whatever Christmas means to you. Because that's the freedom that unconditional love brings. is a pursuit irrevocably enhanced by the presence of Christ's consciousness in our hearts. A pursuit fundamentally changed by the teachings of a man of humble beginnings who emerged onto the scene 2,000 years ago. And, and that's where I want to complete this because that's exactly where we're going to pick this story up that we're weaving. Mostly me, but I'm helping, you're helping me. We're going to talk about that man and the, and the impact he's had on our lives, our consciousness, our hearts. So in simple terms, Christmas we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and yet we know there is so much more. <laughs> 